Chapter Nineteen of France and England in North America, Part Three. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. France and England in North America, Part Three. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West by francis parkman jr chapter nineteen sixteen eighty one la salle begins anew in tracing the adventures of tonti and the rovings of ennepin we have lost sight of la salle the pivot of the enterprise returning from the desolation and horror in the valley of the illinois he had spent the winter at fort miami on the st joseph by the borders of lake michigan here he might have brooded on the redoubled ruin that had befallen him the desponding friends the exulting foes the wasted energies the crushing load of debt the stormy past the black and lowering future but his mind was of a different temper he had no thought but to grapple with adversity and out of the fragments of his ruin to build up the fabric of success he would not recoil, but he modified his plans to meet the new contingency. His white enemies had found, or rather perhaps had made, a savage ally in the Iroquois. Their incursions must be stopped, or his enterprise would come to naught, and he thought he saw the means by which this new danger could be converted into a source of strength. The tribes of the West threatened by the common enemy, might be taught to forget their mutual animosities and join in a defensive league, with La Salle at its head. They might be colonized around his fort, in the valley of the Illinois, where, in the shadow of the French flag, and with the aid of French allies, they could hold the Iroquois in check, and acquire in some measure the arts of a settled life the franciscan friars could teach them the faith and la salle and his associates could supply them with goods in exchange for the vast harvest of furs which their hunters could gather in these boundless wilds meanwhile he would seek out the mouth of the mississippi and the furs gathered at his colony in the illinois would then find a ready passage to the markets of the world thus might this ancient slaughter-field of warring savages be redeemed to civilization and christianity and a stable settlement half feudal half commercial grow up in the heart of the western wilderness this plan was but a part of the original scheme of his enterprise adapted to new and unexpected circumstances and he now set himself to its execution with his usual vigor joined to an address which, when dealing with Indians, never failed him. There were allies close at hand. Near Fort Miami were the huts of twenty-five or thirty savages, exiles from their homes, and strangers in this western world. Several of the English colonies, from Virginia to Maine, had of late years been harassed by Indian wars, and the Puritans of New England, above all, had been scourged by the deadly outbreak of King Philip's War. Those engaged in it had paid a bitter price for their brief triumphs. 
a band of refugees chiefly abenakis and mohegans driven from their native seats had roamed into these distant wilds and were wintering in the friendly neighbourhood of the french la salle soon won them over to his interests one of their number was the mohegan hunter who for two years had faithfully followed his fortunes and who had been four years in the west he is described as a prudent and discreet young man in whom la salle had great confidence and who could make himself understood in several western languages belonging like his own to the great algonquin tongue this devoted henchman proved an efficient mediator with his countrymen the new england indians with one voice promised to follow la salle asking no recompense but to call him their chief and yield to him the love and admiration which he rarely failed to command from this hero-worshipping race new allies soon appeared a shawano chief from the valley of the ohio whose following embraced a hundred and fifty warriors came to ask the protection of the french against the all-destroying iroquois the shawanos are too distant was la salle's reply but let them come to me at the illinois and they shall be safe the chief promised to join him in the autumn at fort miami with all his band but more important than all the consent and cooperation of the illinois must be gained and the miamis their neighbors and of late their enemies must be taught the folly of their league with the iroquois and the necessity of joining in the new confederation of late they had been made to see the perfidy of their dangerous allies a band of the iroquois returning from the slaughter of the tamaroa illinois had met and murdered a band of miamis on the ohio and had not only refused satisfaction but had entrenched themselves in three rude forts of trees and brushwood in the heart of the miami country the moment was favorable for negotiating but first la salle wished to open a communication with the illinois some of whom had begun to return to the country they had abandoned with this view and also it seems to procure provisions he set out on the first of march with his lieutenant la forêt and fifteen men the country was sheeted in snow and the party journeyed on snowshoes but when they reached the open prairies the white expanse glared in the sun with so dazzling a brightness that la salle and several of the men became snow-blind they stopped and encamped under the edge of a forest and here la salle remained in darkness for three days suffering extreme pain meanwhile he sent forward la forêt and most of the men keeping with him his old attendant Yunot going out in quest of pine leaves a deduction of which was supposed to be useful in cases of snow blindness this man discovered the fresh tracks of indians followed them and found a camp of outagamis or foxes from the neighbourhood of green bay from them he heard welcome news they told him that tonti was safe among the potawatomis and that enipan had passed through their country on his return from among the sioux a thaw took place the snow melted rapidly the rivers were opened the blind men began to recover and launching the canoes which they had dragged after them the party pursued their way by water 
they soon met a band of illinois la salle gave them presents condoled with them on their losses and urged them to make peace and alliance with the miamis thus he said they could set the iroquois at defiance for he himself with his frenchmen and his indian friends would make his abode among them supply them with goods and aid them to defend themselves they listened well pleased promised to carry his message to their countrymen and furnished him with a large supply of corn meanwhile he had rejoined la forêt whom he now sent to michilimackinac to await tanti and tell him to remain there till he la salle should arrive having thus accomplished the objects of his journey he returned to fort miami whence he soon after ascended the st joseph to the village of the miami indians on the portage at the head of the kankakee here he found unwelcome guests these were three iroquois warriors who had been for some time in the place and who as he was told had demeaned themselves with the insolence of conquerors and spoken of the french with the utmost contempt he hastened to confront them rebuked and menaced them and told them that now when he was present they dared not repeat the calumnies which they had uttered in his absence they stood abashed and confounded and during the following night secretly left the town and fled the effect was prodigious on the minds of the miamis when they saw that la salle backed by ten frenchmen could command from their arrogant visitors a respect which they with their hundreds of warriors had wholly failed to inspire here at the outset was an augury full of promise for the approaching negotiations there were other strangers in the town a band of eastern indians more numerous than those who had wintered at the fort the greater number were from rhode island including probably some of king philip's warriors others were from new york and others again from virginia la salle called them to a council promised them a new home in the west under the protection of the great king with rich lands an abundance of game and french traders to supply them with the goods which they had once received from the english let them but help him to make peace between the miamis and the illinois and he would ensure for them a future of prosperity and safety they listened with open ears and promised their aid in the work of peace on the next morning the miamis were called to a grand council it was held in the lodge of their chief from which the mats were removed that the crowd without might hear what was said la salle rose and harangued the concourse few men were so skilled in the arts of forest rhetoric and diplomacy after the indian mode he was to follow his chroniclers the greatest orator in north america he began with a gift of tobacco to clear the brains of his auditory next for he had brought a canoe-load of presents to support his eloquence he gave them cloth to cover their dead coats to dress them hatchets to build a grand scaffold in their honor and beads bells and trinkets of all sorts to decorate their relatives at a grand funeral feast all this was mere metaphor the living while appropriating the gifts to their own use were pleased at the compliment offered to their dead and their delight redoubled as the orator proceeded 
one of their great chiefs had lately been killed and la salle after a eulogy of the departed declared that he would now raise him to life again that is that he would assume his name and give support to his squaws and children this flattering announcement drew forth an outburst of applause and when to confirm his words his attendants placed before them a huge pile of coats shirts and hunting knives the whole assembly exploded in yelps of admiration now came the climax of the harangue introduced by a further present of six guns he who is my master and the master of all this country is a mighty chief feared by the whole world but he loves peace and the words of his lips are for good alone he is called the king of france and he is the mightiest among the chiefs beyond the great water his goodness reaches even to your dead and his subjects come among you to raise them up to life but it is his will to preserve the life he has given it is his will that you should obey his laws and make no war without the leave of onontio who commands in his name at quebec and who loves all the nations alike because such is the will of the great king you ought then to live at peace with your neighbors and above all with the illinois you have had causes of quarrel with them but their defeat has avenged you though they are still strong they wish to make peace with you be content with the glory of having obliged them to ask for it you have an interest in preserving them since if the iroquois destroy them they will next destroy you let us all obey the great king and live together in peace under his protection be of my mind and use these guns that i have given you not to make war but only to hunt and to defend yourselves so saying he gave two belts of wampum to confirm his words and the assembly dissolved on the following day the chiefs again convoked it and made their reply in form it was all that la salle could have wished the illinois is our brother because he is the son of our father the great king we make you the master of our beaver and our lands of our minds and our bodies we cannot wonder that our brothers from the east wish to live with you we should have wished so too if we had known what a blessing it is to be the children of the great king the rest of this auspicious day was passed in feasts and dances in which la salle and his frenchmen all bore part his new scheme was hopefully begun it remained to achieve the enterprise twice defeated of the discovery of the mouth of the mississippi that vital condition of his triumph without which all other success was meaningless and vain to this end he must return to canada appease his creditors and collect his scattered resources towards the end of may he set out in canoes from fort miami and reached michilimackinac after a prosperous voyage here to his great joy he found tante and zenobie Mambre, who had lately arrived from green bay the meeting was one at which even his stoic nature must have melted each had for the other a tale of disaster 
but when la salle recounted the long succession of his reverses it was with the tranquil tone and cheerful look of one who relates the incidents of an ordinary journey Mambre looked on him with admiration any one else he says would have thrown up his hand and abandoned the enterprise but far from this with a firmness and constancy that never had its equal i saw him more resolved than ever to continue his work and push forward his discovery without loss of time they embarked together for fort frontenac paddled their canoes a thousand miles and safely reached their destination here in this third beginning of his enterprise la salle found himself beset with embarrassments not only was he burdened with the fruitless cost of his two former efforts but the heavy debts which he had incurred in building and maintaining fort frontenac had not been wholly paid the fort and the signori were already deeply mortgaged yet through the influence of count frontenac the assistance of his secretary barois a consummate man of business and the support of a wealthy relative he found means to appease his creditors and even to gain fresh advances to this end however he was forced to part with a portion of his monopolies having first made his will at montreal in favour of a cousin who had befriended him he mustered his men and once more set forth resolved to trust no more to agents but to lead on his followers in a united body under his own personal command at the beginning of autumn he was at toronto where the long and difficult portage to lake simcoe detained him a fortnight he spent a part of it in writing an account of what had lately occurred to a correspondent in france and he closes his letter thus this is all i can tell you this year i have a hundred things to write but you could not believe how hard it is to do it among indians the canoes and their lading must be got over the portage and i must speak to them continually and bear all their importunity or else they will do nothing i want i hope to write more at leisure next year and tell you the end of this business which i hope will turn out well for i have monsieur de tonty who is full of zeal thirty frenchmen all good men without reckoning such as i cannot trust and more than a hundred indians some of them shawanos and others from new england all of whom know how to use guns it was october before he reached lake huron Day after day, and week after week, the heavy-laden canoes crept on along the lonely wilderness shores, by the monotonous ranks of bristling moss-bearded firs. Lake and forest, forest and lake, a dreary scene haunted with yet more dreary memories, disasters, sorrows, and deferred hopes. Time, strength and wealth spent in vain, a ruinous past and a doubtful future slander obloquy and hate with unmoved heart the patient voyager held his course and drew up his canoes at last on the beach at fort miami End of chapter nineteen